The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today we radiate self-compassion with author Anne Parkinson, who's also a healer, writer, and former BBC documentary producer. Now, Anna has written several books, and the newest one is Beyond Sex and Soup, which is uh, basically a healing and spiritual journey. Hi, Anna. Welcome today. Hi. Hi. Lovely to be here, and I'm really excited to take part. I am, too. Today feels like an auspicious day. We are recording. Of course, this is not going to be out for a while, but we're recording on 2-2-22, which is also Groundhog's Day, as we were just talking about. But it just seems auspicious. And you know what? Let's start with that. Before we started recording, you mentioned something about February being a manifesting month. Yes, it's interesting because, of course, in the seven, in, in the southern hemisphere, February is a month where uh, things that have been planted early in the year begin to be delivered. Uh, in the northern hemisphere, we have this kind of dark time where we go into the darkness in, in January and, and um, often feel the effects of, of that deep winter. And um, yet we also have a tradition within that darkness of setting goals for ourselves, of looking ahead, of asking for things that we want the year to deliver us. But that whole... Um, movement in January expands in February to expecting it to be delivered. We have to allow ourselves to have what we ask for and receive it big time. So um, the more you can specify what you want, the closer you are to getting it. And the more you can expect to receive it, possibly with a date or some kind of a timeline, then the more likelihood it is going to come your way. Not because it's just given to you on a plate, but because you are energy in motion. You are flowing all the time. So when you can collect your energies, both physical and mental, and focus on a point, then you begin to draw in energy to support you. And that's why it's a really good idea to manifest and express to yourself your desire. Wonderful. I love that. Now, before we started recording, you also talked about how all of the the twos, the February 2nd, 2022, was pretty appropriate because of the notion of double vision. Can you tell about that? (laughs) Double vision has a history with me, both physically and um, spiritually. 
And actually, that is really germane to what my book, Beyond Sex and Soup, is all about. Because to take this back a very, very long way, I used to work as I used to work for the BBC. I was a BBC producer. And at some point in that, I found myself uh, on a self self-created trip, but I was in Ladakh in northern India interviewing the Dalai Lama. And um, because I was on, uh, I was doing an interview to be broadcast on the BBC, I was doing a very political interview and I was asking him what I thought were serious political questions. And I said to him at one point, um, well, you know, what makes you think that the people of Tibet will want you to go back to Tibet, even if you could, because they've been under Chinese governorship for a long time. And, you know, perhaps they're not interested in Tibetan Buddhism anymore. And he said to me, hmm, he said, when you are young, you see with one eye and you hear with one ear. And when you get older, you see with both eyes and you hear with both ears. Mm. And I thought, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I have no idea how I'm going to convey this to my BBC editors. But I knew that I had something very valuable. And about 15, 20 years later, I became ill with a brain tumor. Mm. And over a period of time, there was no way to treat that medically. And I explored healing for the first time in my life because I didn't have any options. And I got it. I just realized that the perspective that healing is was exactly the same as my life, but seen from almost, if you like, the other side of the mirror or the other side. Uh, and all of these realities were things that I was living. And using this knowledge that what was happening physically in my body was a manifestation of my emotional energy that I had been carrying in my unconscious all my life, gradually I was able to reveal that to myself and disperse it and disperse the tumor. So I thought healing was, I mean, I feel that all healing is the same thing. It's just a question of language of how you do it. Right. But I thought that this was the most amazing thing I'd ever discovered in my life. And I learned how to heal and I became a healer. And eventually when the tumor had disappeared, I wrote a book called Change Your Mind, Heal Your Body, which was how it worked for me, how I was able to heal the tumor. Wow. And at the beginning of that book, I looked again at what the Dalai Lama had said to me. And I looked at this phrase, you, when you are young, you see with one eye and you hear with one ear. And when you are older, you see with two eyes and you hear with both ears. And I thought, that's it. This is double vision. It's like the physical is real. The non-physical is also real. And you as a human being in your wisdom, you have the capacity to bring the two together, which is a miracle. It's remarkable. And this is the skill that we potentially have as human beings and we need to learn to develop it. And so for me, the further irony was the very first manifestation of the manifestation of my brain tumor was double vision. Oh my goodness. Looking at you and talking with you now, it's hard to even imagine that you had such a thing as a brain tumor. That's amazing. Well, I, it was very deep. I mean, you know, I look back at this whole story and I, I, I cannot help 
feeling blessed um, as you would say that anybody who has been through that kind of suffering and pain and has been lucky enough to survive it will say exactly the same thing. That this pain was my greatest blessing. And that, again, is the point of my new book, Beyond Sex and Soup, because what I'm trying to say is you don't need to wait until you have cancer or brain tumor or some kind of physical difficulty. Many, many of us feel constantly frustrated, angry, blocked, uh, anxious, all things that actually stop you enjoying your life, stop you living the life you want to. And it's in this emotional state, there is pain. It just hasn't manifested as physical yet. And you can use those emotional darknesses in yourself as your personal guide to your individual path. Because each one is very carefully appropriate to the spirit and the unique energy that you are. Mm, that is beautiful. And so when you started your healing journey after the brain tumor, um, did you, you said you didn't know much about alternate forms of healing. How did you find out about this? Well, um, I, I knew nothing about it. Um, when you have something seriously ill and people, lovely people come forward and say, oh, try this, try that, go to this person, so forth. And I know I began to have a healing. I thought Reiki was a form of massage. That's how much I knew about it. That's a common misconception. <laughs> and um, I began to notice that... Um, Healing had an effect on me, a physical effect. And I thought, this is, it wasn't necessarily an effect that I liked, but I noticed that it did something. And I thought, that's really curious. How can a person who doesn't even touch me change the way I feel? Mm -hmm. um, and eventually I was introduced by my sister, my lovely sister to uh, an American who has now passed uh, called Martin Brofman. And he had developed something called the body mirror system of healing. Hmm. And what uh, was uh, really powerful for me was that Martin gave me healing, but he then told me what he had seen in my unconscious energy. And for me, that was really powerful because I recognized that with my conscious daily self. And I was able to say, if you have seen this, I do see that this is my stuff. I didn't think it was important. I thought I'd got rid of it years ago. But if you can see it, then I must be carrying it around. Mm -hmm. So I learned to heal from Martin. And all my work in, in healing and in workshops and, and in my writing is about teaching people how to integrate the conscious and the unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. And that's why I called my book Beyond Sex and Soup, because yes, your body your unconscious body needs both of those things. It's a human given. We need it. Yes. And your unconscious body will take you towards those things, whether you like it or not. You, if you can follow the powerful journey that your unconscious body is taking you on, you can direct it. You can learn from it. You can integrate it. Because our conscious mind is, um, you know, our normal daily beta action conscious mind is really powerful. It's the boss of your living being. But it is often used destructively. No, 
quite deliberately, but it is often used destructively. So let's just, for example, say, uh, you have a wonderful imagination. You have inner senses. We all have inner senses, and they deliver to you a truth about perception through your imagination. It might be something that you hear. It might be something that you think you see. It might be a feeling. But this is all your inner senses in action. Your conscious mind is attuned to your external senses. It's attuned to your external sight, your external hearing, your external feeling, so forth. And they, those external senses are all designed to keep you safe. Yes. So your conscious mind is constantly saying, no, you may think that there is light emanating from that door, but actually it is, you know, a normal door that is six foot tall and two and a half foot wide or something. So your conscious mind is constantly dismissing what it perceives as potentially dangerous extraneous information. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it can be destructive in that it will block what you what you feel you you haven't got time to consider or it's not safe to consider for some reason or another. Hmm. But the actions of your body are actually in the hands of your unconscious. So if we had to decide in our minds, like, you know, how many muscles we have to move to sit down, we would, we would never be able to do it, you know? Right. When something goes wrong in your body, it's happening in the unconscious. And your conscious mind actually has the ability to go have a look, love it, sort it out, understand it, just like a mother has the ability to do that for her child. So there's a lot of traction in allowing yourself to see yourself, even when you are not perfect, perhaps. Yes, yes. That's beautiful. Um, Now, you've already written one book on healing. Mm -hmm. um, In fact, I guess we could consider two books on healing. Uh, Do I have that correct? Is that accurate? No, my first book was actually, well, it was healing, but it was about plants. It was about an ancestor of mine who was a a famous herbalist, nature's alchemist, it's called. Right, right. So... At that time, I knew nothing about healing when I wrote it. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And so why would you, then you wrote Change Your Body, or Change Your Mind, Change Your Body. Heal um, Your Body, yeah. Heal Your Body, Change Your Mind, Heal Your Body. Do apologize for that. Um, and then, um, so why would you write another book about healing? What, what was left unsaid? Well, what I wanted to do was, um, I wanted to... In Beyond Sex and Soup, I want to just show the tools that will take you from difficult feelings to a real understanding of yourself. Mm. So I was running workshops where I would focus on different energy centers of the body for a whole day. So for example, fear and anxiety and insecurity are associated with um, with the base chakra, the 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 the, the skeleton, the fundamentals of yeah. the body, and and I was using particular tools for particular days to to for people who had those problems in particular. So, for example, we all have a, a an individual tendency. Each person is unique. And um, some of us will have a problem with anxiety. Some of us will have a problem with jealousy. Some of us will have a problem with 
rejection, but it tends to be that this problem will come, will manifest itself again and again and again in your life until you actually look at it and say, what is it in me that is creating these effects that I don't like? And I wanted to give people in Beyond Sex and Soup, I'm giving people the tools to explore that. Right. And release it. Release it is the most important thing. It releasing it is the most important thing. We have to acknowledge it and understand it and feel it and then release exactly. it. So what exactly. are some of the tools that you talk about in Beyond Sex and Soup? I use the language of your imagination uh, combined with meditation mm-hmm. so that you, um, if you, if you look at a, a person they are not what they appear to be. They are, they, to themselves, they are their memory, they are their imagination, they are their dreams, they are their fears, etc. That is the reality and their loves. That is the reality for the person inside. So we all need to spend time having a look at the way the furniture is organized in there, the way it, it, it is um, distributed and actually what makes us um, what shows us the best picture of the way the furniture is distributed are is external events just like if you look in a mirror it shows you what shape you are it's other people it's the things that happen to you it's the events that are showing you what is inside you even if that may not be something that has come to your conscious attention. So I use uh, what I call guided meditations to pick out particular experiences that may have occurred to you in a pre-verbal experience. They may have occurred to you in the womb, but your imagination is extraordinarily eloquent. It will take you, it, it, your imagination connects to your emotional truth. And it will take you to what is true for you emotionally. It's not the same as saying, oh, this is true and I'm going to hold it up in a court of law and I'm going to contest it with my siblings or my parents. It's different. This is true. What is true emotionally is true for you. Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a co-worker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate U, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now... Back to our podcast and back to our guest. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
So the reason that I wrote a second book is that you don't have to wait for some physical catastrophe to make your life better. You know, I mean, we are all programmed to get on with it um, and to bypass our emotional difficulties. But actually what I'm saying is that your emotional difficulties, your emotional pain can show you a better way to live, a happier way to live. And that's what Beyond Sex and Soup is about. Oh, wonderful. A better way to live. How do you feel that this perspective, this um, insight has changed your life? Completely. I feel, I I mean, for me, I am a happy healer. (laughs) And, um, and, and I, I mean, I go on learning while I was writing. So I will tell you the story of writing this book. I thought, you know, I, I want to write down these experiences that I am giving people in workshops because uh, although I love to heal people, my aim when I'm working with somebody to heal them is to give them the tools to stand on their own feet. Yeah, yeah. And I have a sort of rule of thumb that when I'm saying something over and over again, there's a little bell that goes off in my head that says, okay, write this down and put it out there. So you don't have to keep saying it over and over again. So that was the kind of the drift. And I started to write a book which is about giving you the tools to deal with any emotional difficulty that you have and using those very emotional difficulties to open up your life, to clarify your way forward. And that's what Beyond Sex and Soup became. Right. And then as I started to write it, thinking, oh, this is really simple. I know what I'm writing. It'll be done in, you know, five minutes. <laughs> famous last words exactly it was like it was like oh my goodness this is just opening up into the way in which um quantum mechanics meets physical mechanics and i am trying to describe the universe here and what have i got myself into and that started to um go into the book it was okay and then my mom got ill bless her she began to die and my life just went exploded um, while I looked after her but then she went into the book too because you know sitting being she had a wonderful life my mother she was a very powerful person and she was 94 when she died I can't say that she left before her time but the experience of being intensely involved with helping her and helping her out of her life was constantly informing me and one of the things that um one of the things I think that we don't have so much anymore although The last thing that happened while I was writing this book was a global pandemic in which death became super present everywhere. There is that, yes. One of the things that we had lost touch with, but which our ancestors were constantly in touch with, is that death happens. It's there. It's with you. It's potentially there always. And that has the effect of making you really value your life your physical strength, your ability, and um, really appreciate, you know, the day when the sun shines or the peacock flashes its tail. And and I I wanted that. That's gone in the book too. That, That juxtaposition between someone who has loved life but can no longer see or do those things. Mm. and the potential that we have to make every day that we live better, stronger. Absolutely. That is beautiful. 
Now, you talked about your, your mother and how she had um, lived to a very ripe old age and had made some of these realizations, but you've had other family members go before you who have mm. done some remarkable things that kind of show up in your work as well. Can you talk about that? So while, again, I, while I was beginning to write Beyond Sex and Soup, I found one of the one of the um, catalysts was that I pulled a book out of the bookshelf and it was an old book about yoga that belonged to my grandfather. It must have been it was I think it was published in the late 1920s or 1930s. It must have been one of the very first Western books about yoga. Wow, yes. And it was written by a friend of his and Inside this book, there were some sheets, type sheets, and each one was headed most secret. <laughs> really? <laughs> so I read these, and some of the information was electric. And I thought, you know, we have lost this. It has to go into a book. And so it has gone into Beyond Sex and Soup. My grandfather's notes that were headed most secret. Although, and you have to read the book to find out, the reason why they were headed most secret wasn't quite what I thought it was. (laughs) Of course. Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah, the 1920s, my gosh, that was before anybody was talking about yoga. Well, let me tell you something else. I, my, I remember my grandfather who used to stand on his head every day wearing his tie so it flopped over his face for five minutes. I remember when I was three years old, him trying to teach me the lotus position. And I couldn't do it. My legs just did not seem long enough. And he's, I remember him saying to me, well, if you can't do it now, you'll never be able to do it. And, uh, you know, that's why I can do the lotus position. (laughs) Because you're going to show him wrong? Exactly. (laughs) Bless you. Bless you. Um, And then there's also, um, in addition to your grandfather, there's John Parkinson. Yeah. 17th century herbalist. Yeah. Well, that was the first book I wrote. Uh, and and was, and again, what I'm hoping to, to convey to people in Beyond Sex and Soup is that your individual path is written all through your family, your history, your genes. And actually, there is so much to discover in it. You don't actually know what it is. So some instinct, the day I knew about John Parkinson's book, he wrote two very famous books in the 17th century. And they were the first books about plants in English. And they are absolutely, one of them is monumental. And the other one uh, was called Paradises Terrestris. And it's a beautiful description of gardens and how to make them and where the plants come from and who gave it to who and it and and also all the medicinal things that they are useful for Mm. and the my father had a copy of one of these books because he was supposed to be an ancestor of ours and the day after my father died I don't know why I asked my stepmother if I could borrow this book and I took it home and I read it and I fell in love with John Parkinson and I looked around for more information about him and I realized that nobody had ever written his story. And so I did it. And that's what Nature's Alchemist is about. It's about a man who loved plants and how they saved his life. My goodness. And of course, your background uh, with the BBC and making documentaries may have aided your research. I think, 
you know, if you're a journalist and you read something written that says not much is known, that's like red rag to a bull. <laughs> <laughs> not much is known. Okay, let's go. Let's go. So yeah. that tells me that you grew up as a determined and inquisitive kid, perhaps. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought myself that, but I was um, the youngest child. I had two elder brothers and a stepbrother, and I, in retrospect, um, there was quite a strong feeling in my family that girls weren't as important as boys, that they didn't matter as much. I wouldn't say that anybody ever said that to me, except that I couldn't play cricket and I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. But I guess, you know, the, a younger sibling will, will watch and, and take advantage of the smallest opportunity. And I, I think I was probably in that position. Right, right. Um, and then having a proper career, as you put it, in the BBC <laughs> with the BBC. Proper job. <laughs> right, a proper job, right? And uh, what did your family think when you went off in this alternate direction? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I, I am uh, married to someone who I was married to before I was ill. We've been married for over 30 years. Um, he is absolutely not into healing. However, there's quite a lot of him about him in Beyond Sex and Sue because we are complete diametric opposites. He, when I was ill, he used to, when I had a brain tumor, he used to describe my meditation as my medication. Oh, of course. And he was exactly right. I wasn't taking any medication but I was using meditation and it did send the tumor away in my opinion. So um, he accepts what I do. It's not for him. The rest of my family, I have become curious over the past 15 years, but I probably didn't really mention it for the first 10 Mm-hmm. Well, what did they think when you had this remarkable recovery from a brain tumor? They never said. Oh, really? They were just happy that I was still here, but they never said. Oh, my goodness. No. And so the, the brain tumor just was, just was no longer there. When you have a physical problem... Mm-hmm. Two things are going on. One is that it is your body is telling you exactly what's wrong. Yeah. Physical problem contains your emotional language. And it, yes. if you listen, it's telling you exactly what's wrong. That's yeah. the first thing. So you need to go. I mean, you're a healer. You know this, Christy. You need to go into the feeling, and healing is feeling. You can't just talk about it. You need to release it by allowing the feeling to be there again. And and this is where self compassion comes in. You you look kindly on that feeling. You, you're not bad. You're just sad, and you you that enables you to let it go, to, to manage a way to let it go. And in Beyond Sex and Soup, I give various ways in which you can do that. Yes. So that's the first thing, that your unconscious body is talking to you all the time, just like your dog is talking to you, or the trees are talking to you, or the sky is talking to you. They're all using a language. It's just a nonverbal language. And the other thing that's going on is that as the boss of the whole ship or the boss of the factory, your conscious mind is in command of your most amazing tool, which is your imagination. Yes. And you can imagine horror. You can imagine fear. You can imagine terrible things happening to you or your family. 
or you can imagine some good stuff. And it takes some discipline and some practice to really use that tool. And that's why the daily practice of meditation is used by so many, so many um, cultures, but don't have what we have grown accustomed to in the West, which is the instant give it to somebody else and they'll sort it out response. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. Um, and so what did I do for removing a brain tumor? Well, number one, I needed to understand it. Mm-hmm. Well, number one, if I had been able to cut it out straight away, I would have just made an appointment and done it. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't. So I was given, I was given that. I was given a lot of um, confusion, which didn't feel good at the time, but it was very, very good for me. It was very handy because it made me realize that I made me listen to what I was saying to myself, which is, this is my head, yeah. not just a case or not just a whatever. And when I heard that it was my head, I thought, yeah, so I've got to sort it out. So that was the first thing. The second thing was there was no medical way of doing it. The third thing was that through exploring and through meeting this wonderful healer, Martin Groffman, I began to understand it. And I realized that my unconscious was manifested even in the book that I had just written, which was Nature's Alchemist about my ancestor, because I realized that um, although the tumor was diagnosed literally two weeks after I started to write that book. Oh, my goodness. And my first thought was, if I'm going to go blind or die, I'm damn well going to finish this book. (laughs) (laughs) See, you're a stubborn girl after my heart. I guess I am, yeah. (laughs) I, I finished the book and then I went to edit it the day after my healing, that first healing with Martin Brofman, and I looked at it and I saw the first line I had written, I never lived with my father. Mm. And the reason I wrote that was because I wanted to explain that this book, that this ancient book that my father owned wasn't very familiar to me until I actually borrowed it and took it home to, to read it. Yes. But I, after the healing, in which it had been explained to me that my brain tumor was directly related to my relationship with my father, it was like being Alice and seeing through the looking glass. I saw that that line was my unconscious expression of trying to make a connection with my father who had just died Mm. while I knew that I would never have the connection that I wanted when I was a small child. Yes. You know, this came in a healing session that I conducted yesterday that, you know, these things can be dormant. They can lie there for many, many years until we're ready to look at them. Yes. And one of the things that we learn is that the universe, these things which are not physical are connected to the universe. Yes. I mean, this is, this is where quantum mechanics comes in, that we are quantum mechanics. And we are physical mechanics. We're both of those things. Yes. And to literally get our brain or the best brains in humanity have not been able to fuse these two. Right. So far. (laughs) But we know they both exist and they both have their own logic. Yes. Physical reality has a logic and quantum reality has a logic. Yes. They are fused in you. They are fused in me. Yes. We are living that fusion. And so when something like that, an emotion, lies dormant, it's connected to so much more than your own physical reality. 
Yes. And loosely we say it's the universe. Mm. Well, it is the universe. It is. But, but sometimes is. the universe can seem like so big when we're so small that we don't really feel connected. But what I'm saying is, and is that your emotions, good and bad, are your connection to the universe. Yes. And find the way through them and you find your sense of place, your sense of belonging. Oh, that's beautiful. I would even say that our emotions, good and bad, are who we are. And we are, we but we don't necessarily want to live under the layer or the shadow of the bad ones. We, I mean, I'm not saying bad in the sense of the judgment. I'm saying we don't want to live under the shadow of suffering. Right, right. The darker side of yeah. the emotions. yeah. Yeah, for that reason, we really have to connect with them, feel them as uncomfortable as it is before we can release them. Right. And if you take, like, my experience, all of my discovery has come through dark suffering. Yes. And, well, I say all of my discovery, all of my understanding has come through dark suffering so that is not bad Mm -mm, no that darkness in yourself is not bad well it's what gives us the contrast that we need well it's like a movie or a book isn't it that you know if everything was sunshine and rainbows and all was happy and good in each character's life then there'd be no story it is also the balance, it's in balance with what we are because we are physical and, and that physical body is going to disintegrate at some point. Uh, but we are non-physical as well. And that non-physical part of us can communicate beyond physical barriers and beyond time. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. To me, it's amazing. To me, it's amazing, too, Anna, quite frankly, (laughs) because um, each and everything in our lives just seems like such a miracle to me sometimes. You know what I mean? So much for our learning and our experiences are created and given to us for our understanding and learning. And that's a miracle. Yes, exactly. Um. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, that phrase of the American yogi Ram Das, who died fairly recently, yeah. but he describes our life as the curriculum. Yes. And I love that because I feel like, yeah, you know, with a curriculum, you have to keep studying the subject until you pass the exam. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I equate life to a large university where we used to have these course catalogs where it listed all of the classes that you could take to fulfill your program and then other electives that you could take. And I always equate life to it's like we've got this course catalog. What do you want to study this time around? Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Once you get it, that's it. You don't have to study it anymore. Exactly. So if, it's, yes. if it's rejection, if it's anxiety, if it's you, there may be something else, but you don't need to study that lesson anymore. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or maybe it's your turn to help someone else study that lesson. Yeah. Be their study partner, right? Yeah, so there's exactly. so many ways to look at this. Yes. Yeah. So, um, your book, Beyond Sex and Soup, has been getting some really great reviews. I'd like to share one now. And I'm, I know you, you oh, know this one, of course, because it's in your, your materials. But it says, Anne Parkin- Anna Parkinson's book, Beyond Sex and Soup, is a guidebook, a handbook, and a book of wisdom rooted in personal experience and true stories. This book elucidates the ways of self-fulfillment and self-realization. 
Readers will discover the place of beauty, integrity, mutuality, and spirituality in everyday life in this outstanding and inspiring book. I thoroughly recommend it to all who are seeking healing and wholeness in their lives. This comes from the editor emeritus of Resurgence and Ecologist magazine. I mean, high praise. I was very moved. I'm very, very um, surprised and delighted. Bless them. Yes, wonderful reviews. And where can we find and read this book? Well, um, you can get it from any bookshop uh, if if you are if you go to bookshops, or you can get it from Amazon, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's widely available. The publishers are very good distributors, and we have lots of agreements with people in different uh, countries. So. Um, you can it depends whether you want to promote good books in your local bookshop you can drop in and say get this book for me if you get it on amazon it would be lovely if you would leave a review because i think that's such a good guide for other people um but yeah it's available widely yes and i would love to plug your website what is your website my website is AnnaParkinson.com. Good. And so uh, we can connect with you there, find out more about what you do and how you do it, um, and find out everything wonderful about your books, your workshops, and events. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Christy. Oh, absolutely. And it's been a, such a pleasure and such a joy. I really appreciate connecting with you. It's been lovely. And this is really one of the best things that we are able to do now is make connections across untold miles. Absolutely. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts.